You are listening to the Reality Steve podcast with your host, Reality Steve. He's got all the latest info and behind-the-scenes juice on Claire's upcoming season of The Bachelorette and interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. Now, here's Reality Steve. Hey, hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to podcast number 193. I'm your host, Reality Steve. Thank you all for tuning in. Great show for you again this week. A contestant from Bachelor season number one, Shannon Oliver. You saw her on the GOAT show a couple weeks ago. And one of the reasons that I have been saying for three and a half years since I started this podcast, everyone's got a story. And a lot of these people, you don't know the backstory. I kind of knew Shannon's because I am Facebook friends with her and I've seen her post stuff over the years, but I didn't know the full story. And I think you're really, really going to be interested. This is honestly one of my favorite podcasts I've ever done. And it's probably from a contestant that 95% of you don't know or don't remember. Weren't watching the show in season one, uh, you know, maybe got introduced to her on the goat episode a couple weeks ago, but, uh, Shannon has got, uh, some great stories here and, um, you tell uh gets emotional a couple times as well uh because these are these are pretty uh, important stories and uh mean a lot to her so coming up in a couple minutes you'll be able to hear that but i wanted to talk a little spoiler for claire's season holy shit here we are <laughs> almost 2 weeks into filming and uh you know i've heard some things but nothing that i feel comfortable running with and want to put out there just yet, but some stuff did come yesterday, and I posted both of them on my Twitter, so I'll give you even, I don't usually don't do this on the podcast, but for people that don't want to be spoiled, even though I am a spoiler guy, and this is what I do, it is my job, I will give you a couple seconds to mute your podcast right now, or maybe skip ahead, and uh, you don't have to listen, but I'm going to go over a couple spoilers that I tweeted out yesterday. First spoiler, not a major one, but there was a email sent out, a memo sent out to the people in the La Quinta area, La Quinta, California, where Claire's season is filming, saying that there's going to be a fireworks show between 9.45 and 9.50 p.m. Pacific time Sunday night. It's clearly for Claire's season. It's clearly a one-on-one date where she and her... her uh, Date are going to get a fireworks show, and it's happening on Sunday. The email said it was supposed to happen on Saturday. It's been postponed a day. doesn't necessarily mean there was something major that went down in filming or whatever. It could just mean they decided to save that firework for something else. It could just be they had their day screwed up. could be a, new, a numerous amount of things. I don't read too much into stuff like that. We don't even know who the date's with, so it might not mean anything, but... Sunday's date, August 2nd on Sunday, right? It's going. There's going to be a fireworks show, which happens every season. So, again, people that have gotten the firework date, some of them have won. Some of them have made top four. Some of them didn't even make it to the final four. So it's really not reserved for anything in particular. Second thing is, though, uh, I was able to finally reveal who got the first impression rose night one, and it was Dale Moss. There was speculation right around the time filming began. Dale Moss went from private to public on Instagram, and people thought he was out. 
Uh, he was never out. His sister even went on his Instagram page a few days ago and said, not sure why people think, you know, Dale is out. Someone is monitoring this account. He's definitely not home yet. She probably wasn't supposed to say that, but she did. Anyway, Dale's there. Dale has been there since day one. If you heard me on my Instagram live two weeks ago with Ashley, I kind of threw it out there with her. I said, look, we know nothing at this point, but who do you think got the first impression rose last night? We It was our Sunday show the day after the show air, uh, filmed their first episode. I knew nothing. I told you guys at the time I knew nothing. Ashley knew nothing. But we both said, I said Dale, and and she said, yeah, I see. I, I could see Dale as well. Uh, and it ended up being Dale. What do you know? Anyway, Dale got your first impression, Rose, so expect him to be around a while, if not when, since we know four of the last five Bachelorettes. First impression, Rose recipient ended up being the guy that they ended up picking, and last year was the one where it didn't, which was Luke P., but the previous four seasons before Hannah, which would have been, it went Caitlin, and uh, Caitlin picked Sean, JoJo picked Jordan, Becca picked Garrett, womp womp, and uh, who was after Becca? Oh, Rachel was in there. Oh, Rachel picked Brian, then Becca picked Garrett. So those were the first four impression. Those were the four first impression rose recipients of those four seasons. Those four guys all won. Last season it was Hannah. She broke the four-year streak. She gave it to Luke P. He didn't end up winning. But those people go far on The Bachelorette for sure. So expect Dale to be around for a while. So that's the only spoilers I can I feel comfortable revealing right now. But there are some out there. Um I'm hearing about more guys who are home that just because they don't have any social media activity does not mean they're not home. Just like people jump the gun on Dale thinking that he was eliminated because he had social media activity, the opposite is true. There are guys that have zero social media activity that have been eliminated. Just want to throw that out there. Keep that in mind. So that's really all I got for Bachelor stuff. Let's just, or Bachelorette stuff. Let's just get going. Let's jump right into it. You are really, really, really going to like this interview. I think Shannon is great. Uh, one of my favorite interviews of a contestant from this show that you will ever hear. Here she is, Shannon Oliver, podcast number 193. All right, let's bring her in. Uh, you saw her on the very first season of of The Bachelor with Alex Michelle. You saw the GOAT episode a couple weeks ago. It is Shannon Oliver. Shannon, how are you? I'm good. How have you been? I've been good, and we're thoroughly enjoying these GOAT episodes for nostalgia purposes. I don't know if, um, (laughs) especially yours, because your season was the original. This is something that when this show came on, people were like, huh, what is this? How is this going to work? I mean, I'm sure when you thought, I think you even said it, either you said it on the show or one of the other women from your season said it on the show, we didn't even think it was going to air. Like We we didn't even think it was going to air, and then here we are 40 seasons later and 18 years later. I I, got to imagine you didn't think that. No, definitely not, and I say that all the time. Like We had multiple conversations where we were 
sitting in the old bachelor mansion at the time. And um, we were like, who would watch this? This is so boring. We never thought that it would make it to air. And there was actually some ABC execs that came through one day and we heard them talking and we didn't even think that they were going to finish shooting it. So we had no clue that here we would be almost 20 years later still talking about it. It's funny because every former contestant that I have on for the first time, you know, I ask them, how did it go? How did it start for you? How did you go about getting cast on something like this? And normally for most recent season contestants, it's been like, oh, I was nominated or I filled out an application or a friend nominated me. I'm really curious to hear about your story because this is the early advent of reality television. You probably didn't have anybody nominate you. You probably saw an ad or a commercial for it and went about it on your own. So how did this all come about for you? You're so right. This was right at the beginning. I think Survivor was on and maybe some like MTV reality shows. And that was it. And so um, I was actually at happy hour with some of my girlfriends. I had just broken up with my boyfriend the day before and one of the casting directors came up to our group of table because we've got a bunch I think there were like six of us we've got a bunch of girls sitting together and um he was like hey I'm casting for this new reality show we're looking for single ladies who have um focused on their profession and not necessarily on you know meeting Mr. Right and now they're ready to focus on their relationship and not just their profession and I was a stockbroker at the time and just broken up with my boyfriend like I said so all of my girlfriends were like Shannon this one right here and so I ended up talking to the guy but again like you said this was the beginning of it so we didn't know at all what we were getting into we didn't even understand the premise of the show cuz we'd never seen it before so you know the basics they were looking for successful girls to date a successful guy. That's that's how they presented it. And so uh, for me, I had a miserable job at the time. And I had just broken up with my boyfriend. And so when he was like, yeah, we're looking for single ladies to come do this great new adventure. I was like, okay, I guess I'll talk to you more and see what this is about. So it was really... Um, you know, I think had I known what I was getting into, I probably wouldn't have done it. But I'm glad that I did because it was such an interesting experience and definitely eye-opening to see yourself on national TV. And then, of course, all I'm sure, I don't know how it is now when you talk to the new contestants, but back then, like, it was almost like you went through a hazing experience. And so me and the other girls were bonded for life. Like we will be friends forever. Uh, we even had a big um, chat going when they re-aired our episode of everybody that we could find. So it's been fun to catch up with everyone again. But I can say for all of us, we had no clue. I think nowadays with the contestants, yes, some definitely stay friends, but it's way more clicky now and way more oh, that girl gets more followers than me, I don't like her. And some people with a ton of followers just refuse to be friends with or hang out with women that have way less followers than them. It's a status thing now, and I just I can't imagine it's that way with you guys. Like you said, you are still talking to all the women from your season, or a lot of them, and you guys have kept in touch, and I don't think any cattiness would set in of who's got more Instagram followers because you guys – are past that stage of your life where that's that shit doesn't matter (laughs) exactly you nailed it and back then i think didn't you say you watched the first season no i i never watched 
the the two seasons in this franchise I've never seen from beginning to end are Alex and Aaron. So it was the only two. Uh, the first season I started okay. watching was Trista's season. And when it started, I was well aware of what The Bachelor was. I knew who Alex had chosen. I knew who Aaron had chosen, but I hadn't really watched it. I had just read about stuff in like magazines. So I kind of I knew the premise of the show. But no, I had never seen your season other than clips. And well, so yeah, even I was probably even when you probably started watching Tristos, like there was not social media oh, like yeah. there is now. Close. No. So we had ABC message boards. That was the closest thing that we had. And I'll never forget one of the producers grabbed me before I left. And she said, my one piece of advice to you is don't read the message boards. She was like, people are mean and they'll say things just to get a reaction of you. So just stay away. So of course the first thing I did is logged on to ABC.com and went to the message boards um, but she was right. So I cannot imagine what the contestants go through today, because even with that limited interaction with other people who don't know you back then, 18 years ago, that was like heart crushing to hear these opinions about you from people who didn't know you. And they get so impassioned about it, too, which is also kind of scary. But um so thankfully, we didn't have that. And so Instagram didn't matter. Followers didn't matter. And so we really and none of us knew what we were getting into. So that's another part of it, too. We all kind of went into this big unknown together. And so we are all still friends. Even Rhonda, when she said that um, she didn't think that I was there for the right reasons when they re-aired that on The Goat. Um, all of my neighbors and friends were on this text group chain. And this guy who's like a hunter, you would never think he would watch The Bachelor. He was watching it and he said, so I guess Rhonda's off your Christmas card list, you know? <laughs> and I was like, no, I'm actually talking to her right now. We're great friends. Like for us, that stuff was so long ago and it, it doesn't matter. And, it, you know, it's it's, I think it's that was one perk for going on the first one is that it was such a raw experience and there was no ulterior motives. Yeah. We just we went for an adventure to see if we could find love and we found friendship for sure. And I I was talking to Amanda actually and she said that it all worked out for the best because like all of us, if you look back at our past, being on The Bachelor did change the trajectory of our lives but where we all are now is probably so much better than where we could have been had we not been on the show it's it's comparing apples and oranges at this point it's a completely different show i mean the the basics 100%. of the show of one suitor and 20 25 30 sutresses and you know I, that part is the same dates group dates roses like the basis of the show obviously is the same thing, but 2020 social media, why people go on the show. We all know now why pretty much every contestant goes on the show is they want to capitalize on the post show fame success. Uh, you just didn't have that back then. And no, you know, maybe, maybe magazines wrote about you, but then the next season came and you were yesterday's news. It was just like, all right, on to Aaron's season. Who are the exactly. new women this season? So there was no staying power. And the, and the funny thing is, you mentioned the ABC message boards. I'm just curious. You said you went on them. I'm just curious if you remember the worst thing that you remember reading about yourself. You know, I have a pretty thick skin. So the thing that upset me the most is, oh gosh, like 
I can almost cry just telling you about it right now. Um, but when the, we did the hometown visits and people said mean things about my parents, that was the worst because I literally have the best parents on the planet. And people said, like, my mom is like Betty Crocker, uh, Martha Stewart, all roads up into one. Like, she is the most thoughtful, giving, generous person you will ever meet in your life. And someone called her an ice queen because she's not used to being on camera. Like, this was such a foreign experience for them. And I feel awful because I threw them into that world. And they did not uh, want to do it, but they did it because they love me. And so still to this day, when they just re-aired our episode, she was like, oh my gosh, I hope that they don't show your hometown because I don't want people to, you know, think that I'm being rude or cold again. Like she still remembers those words that someone called her an ice queen 18 years later. So, yeah, um, I think it's something that even contestants nowadays, when you go on the show, obviously, you know, you're opening yourself up and everything in your past is probably going to get out on some right. form, whether it's through me or a message board or something like people tell me stuff all the time about contestants and what they know. The problem is you're also, even if, even though they're not signing up for it, unfortunately, indirectly, your family signs up for this show because people just start looking for anything about you, which includes any brothers and sisters. If you right. had, if you had a sibling um, that was in jail or was a, an addict or something like that. It's just going to be part of your story, you know? And honestly, the show will probably make it part of your story because they'd force you to talk about the fact that a brother or a sister maybe was an addict at some point or whatever the case may be because it just becomes almost, it helps your character on the show if you can like garner sympathy. But yeah, I right. mean, it's unfortunate. It's just because you're going on the show doesn't mean that everybody else in your life is not going to be brought into it as well because right. they do. And yeah, it's, it's an interesting dynamic now. And yeah, when you're 18 years ago, when that came out and there's no social media and only the ABC message boards, which lasted for a few years, but once spoilers started becoming a thing, ABC just took down their message boards and said, look, we, we can't have this on our own site because somebody inevitably is just going to go on that thing. And when I started becoming this spoiler guy, I remember right. I remember the days where people were running with my spoilers to the ABC message board saying reality Steve is reporting so and so wins and then they had to basically like we have to we have to get rid of this because we we can't have people that are logging into their own ABC site wh where the show is broadcast from and seeing the winner or right. hearing who possibly could be the winner we just we we can't do it. Let's take a break guys real quick talk to you about hydrant how much water should you drink each day? 10 cups, gallon. Good news is it doesn't have to be so complicated. That's why I'm starting my day now with Hydrant. It helps you hydrate faster. It's created a refreshing electrolyte powder that you mix directly into water to more efficiently and effectively hydrate your body. It hydrates you quickly, keeps you going for longer. Each rapid hydration mix has four essential electrolytes your body needs. Sodium, potassium, magnesium, and zinc. It packs a punch to help your body hydrate fast and stay hydrated. If you're looking for that extra boost of energy, there's also Hydrant Plus Caffeine, which contains 100 milligrams of caffeine from green tea. And Hydrant is backed by research. The formula was developed by an Oxford scientist. It's also loved by pro athletes, top performers, celebrities, and has thousands of five-star reviews. It's made with real fruit juice powder, is delicious and refreshing, and comes in a variety of flavors, including new summer-friendly iced tea lemonade fruit punch. I've got my packages right here. You can probably hear me seeing them with Hydrant. 
Um, my variety pack has lime, grapefruit, and blood orange. Blood orange happens to be my favorite out of this group. Like I said, get a glass of water, 10-ounce glass, 12-ounce glass, 15-ounce glass, pour it in, and you get hydrated. Plus, backed by 100% satisfaction guarantee. If you don't love it, send it back for a full refund. You really need to try it for yourself to see what I'm talking about. It tastes incredible, and it works. Hydrant just starts at a buck a packet for a 30-day supply. Save even more with a monthly subscription. So, got a special deal for our listeners to save 25% off your first order. Go to drinkhydrant.com slash steve or enter our promo code steve at checkout. That's D-R-I-N-K-H-Y-D-R-A-N-T dot com slash steve and enter promo code steve for 25% off your first order. Drinkhydrant.com slash steve and enter promo code steve to save 25% and we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. I want to move on to your season and once things got going you mentioned that obviously you had no idea what you were getting into on that first night when you were arriving in the limos at that point did you know anything more or how about alex himself did you not know who the bachelor was until the limo pulled up so this is really interesting because like you know we've talked about there was no bachelor before us so we had no idea how the format of the show was going to work the only information we had was they were going to have around 25 women and one guy and the guy was going to get to know all the women and then at the end there could possibly be a proposal if he felt a connection and the girl felt like you know if there was a strong enough relationship between the two so that was it I mean, that's what we signed up for, which, you know, looking back, I was young and clearly (laughs) uh, needed a little more guidance because I can't believe I said yes to that. But um, so then they also mentioned that there would be rose ceremonies where he would offer a rose to the women he wanted to stay. So we knew that basic premise going into it. And then when it got down to like I think maybe like 150 or 75 people that they had narrowed down their first um, batch of girls to. They flew us all out to L.A. to do an on-camera interview with the producers and the director and then also to take a psychology or no, a psychological exam. And it was like 600 questions. It was crazy, the questions that they asked you. And then as you're going through that whole process, you're we were out there for a whole day they showed you a picture of Alex and they said, this is the bachelor. What do you think? Um, And you know, he's a good looking guy, tall, very successful. And that's all like, that's it. That's all we got. That his name was Alex. And we saw a picture. So when you walked out of the limo the first night and you saw him in person in his triple XL suit with the shoulder pads, (laughs) what was going on? Uh, And Chris Harrison too. Everyone's were so big i know well that was i mean that was the thing back then in the early 2000s oversized suits where it was they were baggy were the thing and it's just funny 18 years later it's the opposite skin tight suits are the thing and i really shouldn't make fun because all of my wardrobe choices were horrendous (laughs) but you know 18 years ago yeah there you go um were you still once you saw him though in person were you still attracted i was And he seems like a genuine guy, like even watching back the episodes that they have been re-airing, he's, he was that endearing, I guess. Like he really was interested in having conversations with you. Obviously when I got to see the whole season, I realized he was doing that with everyone else too. But when I was with him, like I felt like he was genuinely interested in me and wanted to get to know me 
you know, like any normal relationship. So he did. He was a really good guy. My question throughout the whole thing was, had I run into him at a bar or like been set up with him on a blind date, would I still be interested? Because the situation was so forced and it's almost like you're on a deserted island and you've got one chance to make it with one one guy. So of course you put everything into it. But I said it so many times to him. I was like, I wish we just would have met organically, like at a bar even to see if this would have even gone anywhere. Would you have been attracted to a guy like him if you were set up on a blind date or met him at a bar? Honestly, he was so much older than me. So I was 20, I think I was 23, 24 at the time, and he was in his 30s. So that alone, Mm. probably had we met at a bar, I don't even know that we would have talked. Yeah, that's true. Uh, And I'm guessing most of the women your season, I don't remember the ages of the women on your season, but I would guess that most were... um, Younger, in their 20s, and they cast him as the lead being, you said, in his 30s? Yeah. I would think that most of your women were in their 20s, but I could be wrong. Most were in their 20s, but late 20s. I was the second youngest. I think um, there was only one younger than me, and then everybody else was. So I felt like, you know, a little kid. Everyone had a lot more life experience than me and a lot more relationship experience than me. So the whole time, I mean, watching it back, it was just so cringeworthy. But then I have to remind myself, like, I was just out of college. I just started working, you know, like really just living life on your own. And so relationships are a part of that, too. Like, I just started, like, getting into serious relationships. At that point in my life, I'd just gotten out of, um, I think I had been dating Corey for like a year at the time. So, you know, that was like one of my longest relationships at that point. And so I was I was a baby. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I think one thing, you know, the the thing about the show at that point was this was also like a six episode show. So it's yes. not the long drawn out process where so many group dates and so many one on one dates. It's a six episode show. And the finale was, you know, based around Trista and uh, Amanda. So there wasn't a lot of time to get to know a lot of the contestants. You did get a one on one date, correct? Yes. Okay. And what was your one-on-one day? That was the was that the skiing Utah one, or was that the overnight, or not Utah, but skiing? Wasn't you in a that, cold one? That was the. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't a very cold one. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because when they say, "Okay, you're on the show," they send you a packing sheet, and it literally says to bring everything from a bikini to a ski coat because you don't know where you're going to be going or what the climate will be. Yeah. Oh, and you can only take two suitcases. At least for us, you could. So that, that's um, honestly that's still the thing that they tell people. Now, granted, I know that other women have brought more than two, but I've seen the packing list, and same exact thing. It's pack everything because. We're not telling you where you're going, so you have to pack for possible warm or possible cold. Right. Um, so our, our, yeah, our overnight date, when it got down to the final three, that's when I was skiing. Um, but my first individual date was, I guess, the very first Cinderella date ever where. That's right. Okay, <laughs> that's right. went yeah. and the. Yeah, the card told me to dress down for like a casual night, and then Alex shows up in a tux, and I was like, what in the world? But then we went, and I think we went to Escada, if I remember right, and I got to try on all these dresses, and it was so funny because um, they only had what they had in the store, and so we were having a hard time 
time finding stuff that fit because everything was like a size zero and I am not a size zero. So they ended up having to cut the lining out of the dress that I ended up wearing <laughs> because the lining was so tight. It was like, I was like a piece of sausage. <laughs> and so they had to cut the entire dress apart basically to make it fit me. Um, um, but yeah, that was our individual date. And then we had back in the day, there was no um, jewelry sponsor like there is now. So Harry Winston actually provided the jewelry for that date, which um, they were like, do not bring that up when we talk <laughs> when you talk to Chris Harrison. Do you remember how much you got to keep, if any? None. Oh, you got none. OK, see, now they Nothing. let not, not that they let them keep everything, but I think they get to they get. I think they get their choice of what they want to keep. They'll say, like, you can choose a few things. I know for a fact that they do get to keep stuff. So, unfortunately, you got screwed in that department. Uh, We were talking about that on our group text. We were like, oh, my gosh, look at these amazing dates that all the new girls get to go on. And, like, you know, the rings and every all the fun stuff that the new girls get. And I was like, I think we got a caboodle. Like, (laughs) thanks for coming. Here's your caboodle. Yeah. Well, what's the phrase? You guys walked so they could run. That's basically the, the new class of, of women. It's you guys laid the groundwork, and now they are reaping the benefits, essentially, from what you guys started. You talk about your overnight date. That was the one when, again, I hadn't seen your season, so when I watched the GOAT episode, I was like, wow, that didn't go well. And... I had I, I had no idea that it, I mean not only did it not go well it it almost seemed like one of the not, not not worse but one of the more like I don't know contentious or like you were kind of bothered by the things he was asking you the things he was saying to you um you know basically said to him like look if you're trying to sleep with me it's not it's not going to happen and and he almost seemed like that's he almost was like, yeah, that's kind of what I'm after here. And if you're not with that game, you're going home. I, it was really uncomfortable to rewatch um, that whole scene. Can you can you explain, imagine living it? Yeah. Can you explain the whole overnight date when you guys went skiing, the vibe, what you were expecting going in, what he said to you that was like, whoa, wait a second here, buddy. And just yeah, kind of well, go over that. so it's funny. Yeah, it's funny because, you know, all the new producers on the show, they weren't there back 18 years ago. I don't think there's a single person um, that was working then that's still working now. So they had to go back and rewatch the episodes. And um, I was talking to one of the new producers and he was like, yeah, I kept watching it. And he was like, I was getting angry at you because he was like thinking in his head, like, she should know, like, there's an overnight coming. He's dating other girls. And then he had to keep reminding himself that I didn't know. None of us knew. So it was, um, I think probably a lot of people watching it back are wondering why I had those certain reactions that I did. And it was because we truly had no clue what was coming next you can't say that now. I mean, come on. Like if you go on the show, you have a very good idea um, what you're signing up for. But for us, I thought that I would just go on some dates with a guy and there'd be other around. And I knew that aspect, but I didn't know what it would look like or feel like because it had never been done before. So I was surprised at myself. Like I was feeling all of the same feelings you would feel in the real world. Like if you see your boyfriend dating another girl, you'll be jealous, you know? So I had those feelings. It created a lot of mistrust 
in our relationship because I knew he had these other relationships on the side. And then also because this was so new uh, for reality TV, I didn't know what I was allowed to say or do to talk to him about. And so I wanted to be like, look, I know you went on a date with Amanda yesterday, but I didn't know if that was okay to say. So a lot of times I would end up just frustrated because I couldn't have real conversations with him because I didn't know if I would get in trouble for saying it. Like, you know, I didn't know how much of the curtain I was allowed to pull back. Now it's all out there in the open. Um, But I had no clue that that fantasy date card was coming. (laughs) And I feel like Alex and, you know, he's in his defense, he's getting coached the same way that we're getting questions asked of us to steer our story in a certain direction. Like you just said, like, it's all part of our story and our families are part of the backstory. Like each of us has a storyline. And I didn't realize that going into it. I thought we were just going to live our life. I'd go on a few dates with a guy. There'd be people like hiding in the bushes filming us. But that was not the case at all. I mean, they're six inches away, readjusting your microphone, having you re-say things or redo things because a plane flew by or there was a cat in the background. You know, I mean, it's just, it's definitely not as natural. Yeah or organic as I thought it would be. Um, And so I think for me, like at the beginning, Alex told me, he's like, I feel like you're my girlfriend. I feel like we've had, it's not like either one of us was putting on a show. We were just truly being ourselves. I feel like our season was very genuine. So when you watch it back, like what you're seeing is genuine emotions. Rhonda didn't hyperventilate to get more TV time. Like she really had a panic attack. And then I wasn't sparring with Alex to be controversial. I just, I was in a situation that I didn't know how to prepare for. I was really young and I didn't handle myself very maturely at a a lot of the um, opportunities that we had when we were together, but it's because I wasn't very mature. (laughs) I was 24. And then also I'm just different. Like I, I don't fit into the cookie cutter mold where I'm just going to back down and give in. And so I did stand up for what I believe in which, you know, I go to church and I have a certain set of morals that I was raised with and my parents raised me a certain way. And so I wasn't going to let the TV show change that, Um, which, you know, I think a lot of people have come after me that feel the same. It was just different because we were the first ones. Now you've seen a bunch of people turn down the fantasy suite card and, you know, a lot of virgins have come on and, you know, that's great that they're really letting people be who they are. But back then we didn't know but to do exactly that on your overnight when he read the card and it basically stated, Hey, we now get to (laughs) spend the night together. Didn't you basically said, no, I'm not doing this. Correct. Yes. That's yes. Yep. And what do you remember what number you were on the overnights between you, Trista and Amanda? What number, which one you went, you went last. Okay. So were you aware at that time you were last or you didn't know that until after the show was over and you maybe spoke to the women? I think I I knew I wasn't first, um, but until we talked, I asked him where he had been, like what his other dates were, and he told me. So at that point, like when we talked, I knew that I was last. So he'd already had his two dates with the other two girls. Did you know or assume correctly that he had spent the night with the other two? 
I assumed that he had you. I'm sure you know this, but they make you get um, an STD test before you go on the show. Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, that was the reason why. And at the time, I didn't think anything of it. But I was like, oh, OK, so like it's all just, you know, filing in. Like I get that card. I'm like, oh, that's why we took the STD <laughs> test, because they're basically like telling us all to go sleep with him. <laughs> <laughs> Again, young and naive. <laughs> well, but I mean, you did not—you did nothing wrong, for sure. Like you just stood by what you believe in. Now, the conversation I remember in the limo was that when was the when was the conversation in the limo where it seemed like you, where I think you said something the effect of essentially, "I'm not. I hope you're not thinking that I'm just here to hook up with you or something along those lines." It was in a limo, right, or or at least in the back of a car. What was was that the night yes. of the? Was that the after you chose to turn down the overnight date or when was that? That was actually after hometowns. So, you know, this is another thing that's very different from our season to current seasons. We were given like 90% alcohol and 10% food. So the majority of our entire season, all of the girls were tipsy. I mean, that first night when we were shooting well into the morning, we had had nothing for dinner. And the only thing that we had was alcohol to drinks. So I would say that probably the majority of the girls were wasted that first night going in and that they definitely don't allow now. Um, after paradise, they yeah. have now someone who monitors the exact amount of alcohol that you get. If they think there's any question, I think they give you a sobriety test and they make you drink water. Like they don't let it get to that point where we were in constantly back when, you know, the show started. Um, one time I remember we were hanging out at the pool and a producer literally brought out a tray of margaritas because they said that our conversations were not exciting enough <laughs> like here drink and maybe we'll get some better footage but that limo ride was our hometown so the only thing that they actually aired was me with my dog which was pretty funny um now looking back i definitely am an animal lover and missed my dog so they showed a lot of that and then a little bit with my parents but that night I wanted Alex to meet all of my friends because my friends are so important to me and I have the best friends on the planet. So I had friends fly up from Houston, drive up from Austin. Someone had, was just getting over the stomach flu <laughs> like came um, and we we had dinner at Maggiano's. Um, oh, one like, of my favorite places. I love Maggiano's. I, I love Maggiano's. They were so sweet. They got us in. We had a private room. I think it was maybe even after hours. It was super late when we shot. Um, and so all of my friends and Alex and I, like we just had a lot to drink. And so that limo ride is after we had had that huge dinner with all of my friends, way too much alcohol, and were headed back um, to you know our separate hotel rooms that night. So that's when that conversation happened. So Alex kept prying and picking and like poking the bear for lack of a better word. He just wouldn't stop asking me questions. And so what they aired was me finally like, Alex, look, I'm not going to sleep with you. <laughs> that's not who I am. That's not how I was raised. I'm not going to sit here and like entertain all these questions about it either. Because, you know, I told him, I was like, I just, I feel like, um, I answered his questions and he had all of his answers, but he kept asking them again. So after, you know, a couple beverages and 
being poked and prodded, I was so frustrated. And that's what they aired. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I was watching that on the GOAT episode, this was, I was like, wow, this is really uncomfortable. It almost seems like... So uncomfortable. Like, uncomfortable to the point of he cro- he was crossing lines that nowadays you could go to HR for, (laughs) you know, like it was, it it almost seemed like very pervy and very uh, creepy the way he was. Cause I remember, I think he was trying to like touch your leg while he was saying this stuff, almost like, Hey, come on, you you know, this, this will be fun. I, I just remember it being really awkward watching that. And I was like, Oh God, no wonder, no wonder she didn't want, didn't want any part of this guy. Um, And then, you know, the, the, the next thing we see, well, that was, you said that, that, conversation was hometowns you you made it through hometowns and and got to an overnight and then you were eliminated and then your elimination talk with him after he didn't give you a rose was comical it was pretty funny oh my gosh (laughs) and and it's unlike anything we've ever seen because usually there's like a complete storm off or i don't want to talk to you or some serious serious sobbing and you right. were you were kind of I don't know in the middle of that where <laughs> you were mad you definitely weren't crying but you but you were also disappointed that you didn't or maybe you weren't I, uh, tell me how so you were feeling since this was the yeah since this was the first time the producers were doing this too they were trying to figure out how to make this work as well so like you mentioned super short timeline we were. Max, you were gone was a month and a half. Now I think you're gone up to two months if yeah. you're there, you know, towards the end. So they, at this point, it's probably four weeks in. They're expecting to have these serious, you know, relationships developing, but you've only seen the guy like three times. So the producers are trying to figure out a way to let the relationships progress as well. So the night before, they actually let Alex and I go out to dinner off camera. So it was just me and Alex. They thought that maybe the cameras were hindering our relationship from going further. So they sent us to dinner. Um, and Alex actually had food poisoning or something from his date with Trista. That's right. So he was super sick. So he and I went to dinner, but I could tell he was just, he felt miserable. And I was like, why don't we just get it to go? But we can go back to the hotel. Um, Cause we were staying, I think we were staying at the same hotel, obviously, but in different rooms back then it was, um, you know, we didn't go far. We didn't go on these exotic, like out of country trips. So we're like at, you know, the Fairmont Inn or something. (laughs) So we went back to the hotel and I think we went to his room to eat the dinner and we just started talking and he told me that he was keeping me. He was like, I really feel like there's something there and I want to see if this can develop. So I'm giving you a rose. So less than this is when it was down to three. This is after your overnight. Okay. Yes. So, um, since I had just had that conversation with him, I was like, okay. And then we had a, we had a really good talk off camera, like very normal, uh, not pervy or creepy at all. (laughs) (laughs) He was very respectful of my answers and didn't keep poking at me. Um, and I remember thinking, okay, like, I feel like we're in a good spot. Like we can actually see if this could be a relationship. So then I go to the rose ceremony knowing that I'm going to get a rose. And when he didn't give me one, I was shocked. Um, and I had in my head started preparing to go meet his parents, you know? So I was just, I was totally taken aback when I didn't get a rose. And so then I kind of also was pissed off at him 
for lying to me, but I didn't know if I could say on camera, like, Alex, you told me yesterday you were giving me a rose. What's up? And so that's why I was so conflicted and why I was like, okay, bye. Have a good time. And then I started walking off. But then I was like, I'm not going to let this guy get off so easy. Like he literally just told me less than 24 hours ago, he's giving me a rose. So I want to know what happened. So that's why I turned around and like, I asked why, but I was hoping he would understand. I was kind of asking like, why did you lie to me? Like, why did you tell me you're giving me a rose if you didn't? But then he just said he felt like it would be hard. And it's so funny because it, the, the, the goodbye was a handshake, uh-huh. which was so classic. <laughs> it was like, he's like, okay, bye. And then you guys shook hands, which was so awkward. <laughs> oh. And then he like wanted... I guess the producers told him to stop at a bench and like sit down and have some heart to heart. And I was like, I want to sit down and talk to you. You just lied to me. And I was being a brat. I mean, let's be honest. I was bratty and my feelings were hurt and I was shocked. And, um, you know, had I done that even three years later, my response would have been much more mature, but I was young and it was a different experience. And I think you see every bit of that. (laughs) Well, I think it's, I think it's funny looking back on it now that, that could have been our first uh, example of producer manipulation because now I tend to believe that somebody got in his ear between the time he told you that and the time he didn't give you a rose in that 24 hours or whatever it may be, how many hours pass from the time he told you I'm picking you or you're, I'm giving you a rose and then not. It, it, it clearly something – somebody got to him and it had to be somebody on production side that – maybe just said you know it's funny because yeah i i can't think of any other reason why would he why would he tell you that and then i don't know how many days later it was uh not give you a rose it seems like maybe when producers said okay alex because obviously he talks to production every single night they said all right you're you're down to your three who are you thinking of for the final two oh well i you know i really like i really like shannon and then i don't know who i guess amanda it looks like based on that it seems like krista was going home at three uh, the fact that he ended up choosing Amanda. So I maybe they just sat him down and said, well, maybe, you know, I, I'm just thinking outside the box here. Maybe at that point, producers started thinking of a possible, well, hey, if we have a Bachelorette spinoff, the great you know, Trista would fit our role better than Shannon would. I don't know. Um, oh, but, for sure. Yeah. I definitely think that there could be something to what you're saying. And the other part to this whole story is that since it was the first time reality TV was so new, I truly believed that these producers were looking out for me and had my best interest at heart, which is so naive to say, but this is truly what it felt like at the time. I thought, I mean, these people were like my best friends because you can't talk to anyone. You can't talk to your family, your friends. So they turn into your family and your friends. And that's who you run your ideas by. Like, what do you think? Do you think we'd make a good couple? Like, I really like him, but I can't tell. And they're just feeding you the story that they need to make a show. And now, you know, 18 years later, looking back at it, they did their job and they did it well because I, I bought it. Like I thought these people were my friend. And then looking back at how it was edited and, you know, each of us were, different like they had a character in mind and I hate to say it that way but that's truly what it is I mean Amanda they only showed the scenes where she's talking about her sex toys with me they showed the struggle Alex and I had 
um, talking about that because I was more conservative and reserved. And then Trista was like the fun, hot cheerleader. So going into it, I, I had no clue. And now seeing it back, like there was definitely a lot of manipulation, but that's their job. And they've got to make a show that people will watch. Um, and editing 100% seals the deal. I mean, I had no clue how powerful editing was until I saw the first episode. (laughs) I was like, wow, this is going to be interesting. Yeah. I think it's just, it's, yeah, that was it. That, that got the ball rolling of 18 years and 39 more seasons after you. Uh, It's, it's successful for a reason. There's a reason they're 40 seasons in and 18 years and still on the air. They know what they're doing. I don't, I don't know if it's, 100% 100% ethical what they're doing, <laughs> uh, but they know what they're doing. And you ask any contestant, regardless if they got a bad editor or not, they will all say they're good at their job. I don't yes. I don't necessarily agree with it. I couldn't do it myself, but they're good at what they do, which is getting reaction out of their contestants that they know would make great television. And They're, they're so good at their job that you don't realize they're doing a job. Yeah. You think they're just your friends. Like that's how good they are. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. But that's why we had to take that big um, psychological profile too. So they would understand our inner working. So they knew what my triggers would be. Like I had been cheated on before and that came up quite a bit. Like you, they really dive in and you think you're talking to your best friend, like sharing these deep, dark secrets about your past relationships and your feelings. And then come to find out they're just figuring out how to keep the show going and keep it interesting. Do you remember the lag time from the time you ended filming to the time the first episode aired? Do you remember how long it was? It was? It was quite a while. I think we finished in the spring and it didn't air till the fall. Okay. Yeah. I mean, now the turnaround time is Matt for bachelor is six weeks for bachelorette, you know, no, you know, non COVID year for bachelorette. It's, <laughs> it's two weeks, you know, so no, it was months yeah. for sure. And it makes sense because it's in the early stages. They didn't even know if it was probably going to, you know, the network was going to pick it up or when they could air it in their schedule. So yeah, that makes sense that it was longer, but so you got home from filming and you had way longer to keep this secret of what went on than contestants do now. What did you what did you do? Obviously, you, I'm sure you told your family and your parents knew what happened. But what were you doing when your friends who knew you went on the show? What did you tell them when you got back? I did not even tell my family because when I got back, I was actually surprised. Like I was almost heartbroken a little bit. Like think about a month and a half of your life dedicated to dating one guy. And then, you know, it didn't work out. I was kind of mad at him. But then when I got home and I was just in my empty apartment, they told us, they threatened us with a lawsuit. They said, don't talk to anyone. Um, And I was scared to death, you know, 24, barely made anything at my job. I'm like, if they sue me, I don't, I don't have anything. <laughs> like, yeah. What are they going to do? Take my car? Um, but I was really sad. So it's like you're going through a breakup, regardless of like how strong your feelings were. I truly felt like my heart was breaking because it was my whole life. So I think, yes, I had feelings for Alex, but also that was my whole entire world every day, day in, day out for a month and a half. And so I, I was scared to death to tell my parents because they said they would sue who you talk to. They'd sue you. So I didn't tell my parents. I didn't tell my friends. And I called Trista because I had a feeling it was going to be Amanda um, when he sent me home. And so I 
um, got everyone's phone number and email address. I was the like keeper of everyone's information before we left. So we could all talk after the show. Cause there was no Facebook. Like we couldn't find each other on Instagram. So, um, I had Trista's information. I called her and I left her a message and her mother heard the message and told legal that I had reached out. And so legal called me from Warner brothers and threatened to sue me if I spoke a word about anything to anyone. And I like was crying. I was so upset. I thought they were going to come and sue me, um, for calling Trista. And I didn't after that, I was too scared. So I didn't tell anyone. I just said, you'll have to wait and see. And so that was also very isolating to go through all of that and then not have anyone to be able to talk to about it. And honestly, if you're not on the show, it's really hard to understand. You know, it's one thing to see how it's edited on TV, but it's another thing to actually live through it. So being able to talk to someone who's been through it is you know, that's like ideal. So now, um, I heard from the producers, he said, Oh yeah. Like all the contestants all talk to each other after like the day they get sent home, they're talking to each other. So it's different now, but for us, we had the fear of God put in us that they would sue us for everything we had. I think it was a million dollars back then that they said they'd sue us for. Now it's 5 million. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. It's just, it's an outlandish number that it's like, you don't have $5 million to your name. I don't think, I mean, I'm, Maybe guessing I most of the contestants now that go on the show aren't worth five million dollars. So I don't even know how that would be enforceable. I, I, right. You know, it, it's it's definitely more of a fear of God thing than anything is just we're going to scare the shit out of you. So you say nothing. Um, but they think they all know. I'm I, I'm sure the producers know how many contestants talk to. I mean, I know for a fact every single season. I mean, I hear stories every single season of a group text going on from all the girls when they get back. And even the guys, when they get back, they all get on a group text together and just are talking about their experience and stuff like that. It's just, yeah, it's inevitable, but you know, that's, it's interesting. That's, it's funny that you left a message for Trista and her mom heard it and her mom called legal. That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It was her mom or her stepmom, but yeah, I got ratted out and I was petrified <laughs> after that. So it worked. I did not speak a word to anyone, not even my best friends. I, and so they all are watching it months later thinking that it's going to be me. You know, the long, they knew that I made it to the hometowns because all my best friends had met him. Yeah. So a lot of people really thought that he had ended up picking me in the end. Yeah. Who wouldn't think he picked you after dinner at Maggiano's? I certainly would have. I know, right? <laughs> I mean, I love that place. Oh, that place is great. So that <laughs> that that wraps up your experience on the show for the most part. But there is some post show stuff involving you that um, I, I'm really interested in, and no, and I, I think very few people um, know about this. You and I have been Facebook friends for a while, and yes. it was because I want to say. Early 2000, maybe 2010, 2011, maybe even earlier than that, 08 or 09. I can't remember what year it was, but there was a Bachelor blood drive here in Dallas. Yes. That's how we met, right? Uh Uh-huh. And I, I, yeah, I can't remember what year it was. It was, I mean, I moved to Dallas in 06, so it was sometime after that. And I think it was sometime before I became kind of spoiler guy, so maybe it was... Hell, you know what? I don't remember. I don't even want to try and guess. But that's where we met. There was a bachelor <laughs> blood drive at uh, at a double tree here in Dallas. I remember. And yes. Some contestants right. from previous seasons showed up, and and you were there. And then we just 
we were Facebook friends after that. So I've followed you on Facebook <laughs> since then. And I think one thing that nobody probably knows about you other than uh, and talking about Bachelor fans that aren't Facebook friends with you is something pretty uh, major, I would say, happened back in 2017. You're down in the Houston area, right? Yes. Hurricane Harvey hit. And you and your husband and your son at the time were very affected by Hurricane Harvey. I was seeing the pictures on your Facebook because you had no problem showing what had happened to your house. Um, Tell everybody what happened to you. I think that we are the only people that flooded during Harvey, not once, not twice, but three different times. So we had just had our son, like you said, we just finished getting our plans for a little remodel. We were going to open up the house because it's an old 1960s house and it was very segmented. So I couldn't see him when he was crawling around. So we're going to take out some walls and just make it more current and add on a bedroom for him. So we got the, we moved into a rental house on Monday, just a few streets away from our house. We got our permit to do the remodel on Friday. Our main house flooded Saturday. Our rental house flooded Wednesday. And we have a little weekend cabin that we had just entirely remodeled from top to bottom. Um, And that flooded the following Friday. (laughs) So we had three houses flood in one week. Wow. That's crazy. So you obviously had to move to a fourth place to get away from flooding. But we... we we lived in a hotel for a month, and then I think I moved five times in two years or something crazy. I mean, it was it was an adventure that I would never want to go on again. I was going to say, and the, and the damage done to your main house wasn't, like, minimal. I mean, it your, your main house no. was pretty much destroyed, right? To yes. What, to so what, we had... Yeah, go ahead. We had just gotten the structural survey to do the add-on. And so the structural engineer had just seen our house and, you know, a few weeks before Harvey hit. And we had him come back out after Harvey to look at it. And he said that it was totaled 100%. It wasn't structurally sound. We actually had hardwood floors that were real wood. And we were almost three feet underwater for a week. And the wood floors swelled so much from all that water that they peaked up in the middle, but they also pushed out on the exterior walls and they were so strong that they broke the metal lag bolts that hold your exterior walls to the slab and pushed the walls like eight inches over the slab. So then all the brick collapsed off of our house because there was nothing underneath it. So it was total. <laughs> so how long did it take from that time that it uh, hit that you said that Saturday your main house got flooded? Do you remember how long it was before your house, before from that moment until you guys moved back into that house because it was done going over every remodel and it had gotten through Harvey? Over two years. Oh, wow. It took two years? Yep. Because wow. we had to do an entire new set of plants. We had to build a house from scratch. Then think there was our neighborhood alone, over 90% of my neighborhood flooded. Mm. So we have like 160 houses just in my neighborhood that all needed to either be remodeled or rebuilt. A lot of people had the same issues that we did and their houses were totaled. So um, there was it was hard to get contractors. It was hard to get architects. It was near impossible to get anything done. And then the turnaround time was so much longer. So 
Um, definitely not when you want to do a remodel or a new build after a hurricane. <laughs> I was say, did your house, once it was flooded and like you said, during those two years, did it get torn down to where it was basically just dirt again and they had to start completely over or did they keep some sort of base in that? Um, so we, the structural engineer said we could keep the slab. That was the only thing that was still usable. But at that point we had three feet of water in our house and we back up to the bayou, which is why we flooded. So we thought if we're going to have to rebuild, we're not going to rebuild at, um, that elevation. So we raised it up three feet. Gotcha. Okay. So, I mean that, and you said you had just had your first son at that point. Yes. How old, how old was he at the time? He was like maybe nine months old and he loved it. Like if anyone had a blast during Hurricane Harvey that flooded three times, it would be my son because he got to go in boat rides and daddy had him up on his shoulders. Like, I mean, the water was so deep at some points just to get out of our neighborhood. um, The water was up to my husband's shoulders. So Jack went straight up on his shoulders. We had to get a boat to get the dogs out. I mean, it was it was crazy. So that was 2017. I actually meant I meant to ask this or mention this before 2017. Like I said, I don't know what year it was, but it was years before that. 09, 10, 2011 is when I met you at that event. And we had exchanged uh, Facebook and we had become Facebook friends. And then I reached out to you. Can't remember what year it was. I could probably go back on our text conversation and find out. Um Oh God, Steve, I should have done this before the, I should have done this before the podcast. (laughs) Oh no, here it is. Okay. So 2015, September of 2015 was the first time I messaged you and I said, Hey, uh, I met you in Dallas, event in Dallas, donating blood. Anyway, I have to ask you, are you the Berkey's girl? I just saw a commercial for it and the spokeswoman looks exactly like you. And you said, and you replied like, yeah, that's me. The Berkey's the, uh, the AC uh, home in uh, what is it? AC, air conditioning AC and, and plumbing. AC and, and plumbing. Yeah, yeah. You, you were. I. It, it's a commercial that happened here a lot in Dallas, and I saw it. I'm like, that woman looks familiar, but I, I, I couldn't say, <laughs> oh, that's Shannon Robinson from the show. I was just, she looks familiar, and it made me go searching on my Facebook, and then I found you, and I looked at you, and I looked at the commercial. I'm like. That's got to be her. Same girl. And that is and, so funny. And, yes. Uh, and you are. So how did the were you doing like commercial modeling or com- how did you get the Berkey's gig? Yeah. So a lot of people, you know, go on the show and then try to get into acting after or, you know, that seems to happen a lot these days. But for me, I was actually in theater in sixth grade on. So I had always been in the performing arts. And then when I was in high school, my theater teacher made me go audition for a public access TV show for the city of Plano. And she gave me like a graded credit just for auditioning. I didn't, that wasn't acting to me. So I did not want to do it. You know, mm-hmm. I, I thought I was a real actress <laughs> doing theater as I was like 16. Um, and so I had always kind of done that kind of thing. And then after the bachelor aired, like I went to college, kind of got off of the acting train, got my degree in finance and I was a stockbroker and focusing on that. And then after, um, the bachelor aired, I was walking down the street in Dallas called Greenville, you know, Greenville. Yep. 
And um, I ran into the old producer of the cable access TV show for the city of Plano. And he was like, hey, we'd love to have you back on if you ever want to host again. Um, And I was like, sure. So I started hosting back up again with them. And then that led to me getting an agent and just doing some hosting gigs on the side um, because I still had like, you know, in parentheses, I had a a real job. Um, But then when I moved to Houston, I actually got a job hosting a TV show. So I got out of the financial arena and was my full time job was hosting a TV show about new homes called Hot on Homes. And, um, I loved it. It was the best job, but then the home building industry tanked. And so they ended up doing away with the majority of the markets. And then they just had one host kind of do everything and re-aired it in all the markets. But, um, from all of that, I had ended up getting a job as a spokesperson for an AC plumbing and electrical company in Houston called Abacus. And they're partners with Berkey's in Dallas. And so they were like, hey, we've got the girl. She does our commercials. Y'all should use her. So I've been working for Berkey's and Abacus ever since. That's right. You're a Plano girl. So where did you go? Yeah. Where did you go? Did you go to Plano Senior High? East. Oh, you went to Plano East. Okay. Yeah. Because I mean, I didn't go to high school out here. But I, I live in Frisco, and it's the only place I've lived since I moved here. So very familiar with Plano. Um, we actually, when, when we moved as a family out here in 1993, we moved to Plano. But ever since really? I moved, yeah, when, uh, when I when I moved here in 06, um, I moved to Frisco, and I've been in Frisco ever since. But yeah, I've been to Plano. I go to shops at Legacy quite a bit. Uh, which is, I don't even know. When did you move down to Houston? What year did you move to Houston? In 2016. Oh, okay. So you've only been in Houston four oh, years. No, uh, 2006. Sorry. No, oh, I, was, I was like, wait, okay. I was like, okay. So you've, and did you meet your husband, your current husband down in Houston or had you known him since your days in Plano? What was the situation on how you met your husband? Actually, we met in college. He sat next to me, I think our sophomore year in a finance class, and we were always just good friends. He was so sweet. I always called him nice Justin, <laughs> which he hates when I say that, but he was talk so about, nice. Talk about friend zone. Jeez. <laughs> like, I know. Nice he was Justin. literally like the sweetest guy, and he would always come up and say hi to me if you saw me at the library just super polite so we were always friends through college and then i ran up to i ran into him when i was up in dallas and we exchanged numbers we were like we should go get coffee sometime we never did then i moved to houston and then i'm at someone's birthday party and he shows up and i was like what are you doing in houston he was like what are you doing in here? Um, and we had both moved there for jobs. And so we reconnected again, exchanged numbers, still never went out. And then I was at a mutual friend's wedding from college and we bumped into each other again. And we were like, okay, seriously, this time we've got to do something. So we ended up hanging out just to kind of explore Houston. It wasn't even like we were dating at first. We just went, since we were both from Dallas, we didn't know much about Houston, didn't have that many friends here yet. We just started, um, we made this fun list of things that Houston had, you know, like cool little arts places and um, different sites around town to go look at. And we just started checking things off of our fun bucket list. And uh, one night he kissed me out of the blue and said, sorry, that needed to happen. And we've been together ever since. <laughs> wow, what a story. That's crazy that three different times you run into each other and you're just, wow, that's 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 kind of a fairy tale story a little bit. Like, 
that's random. In college, nothing happens. You see each other in Dallas, nothing happens. You see each other at a birthday party in Houston, nothing happens. And then you run into each other at a wedding. And it's like, okay, you know, it's just that's that doesn't happen very often. So it's almost very um, serendipitous. Is that the word that people would use for that? Serendipitous? Yes. <laughs> and we joke. It took him like 11 years to actually ask me out. So yeah, wow. he really took his time with that one. He said he didn't think I would say yes, and that's why he never asked me out. Well, I mean, you did call him friend Justin, so maybe he, just, <laughs> <laughs> he actually just walked in the room and he's waving. Or say hi, Justin. <laughs> or nice. Oh, no, not friend Justin. Nice Justin. That's what it was. Nice Justin. No, no, no. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then he said, "I don't like that." <laughs> <laughs> so you guys have been married how long? When did you guys end up getting married? We got married, uh, we've been married, gosh, 10 years, I think. Okay. I need to look. Yeah, 2009, we got married. So we've been married almost 10 years. Okay. No, that, no, you've been married 10. You're coming up on 11. When's your anniversary? Gosh, my math is awful today. <laughs> yes, we're going. So we are married 10, and this year will be 11. This year will be Jeez. 11. Wow. You know, I blame Harvey for a lot of my uh, lag. I, we don't really count those two years. Like, we didn't celebrate anything. We were just trying to get through. You're trying to get through, yeah. And then the one final thing I wanted to talk about is if you didn't have enough hardships in your life that you went through, just this past April, during quarantine, during COVID, you had son number two. And we ex- did. <laughs> ex- we saw them on. We saw both your children and Justin on the Goat Show. But explain how that was when you are. So basically, you were eight or nine months pregnant when COVID hit, and you were probably were you freaking out a little bit? Like, oh no, not like, am I going to have my husband with me? Do I have to wear a mask during this? Is it you know? Can can I catch? COVID during this, just being in the hospital, like all that stuff I'm sure went through your mind. So explain to everybody how this pregnancy was. Yeah. And I think you nailed it. Like my biggest concern was what if I get this and what will it do to my baby? Because no one knew it was so new. So that was what really, really made me nervous. And, you know, ironically, when I was pregnant with Jack, Zika came out. So, and it, it literally like, I didn't want to go outside because I was petrified you know in houston the mosquitoes are the size of like like (laughs) small animals (laughs) and so yes and so i was so worried about getting bit by a mosquito and getting zika and then having something happen to my you know baby so that was jack and then here i am pregnant with cooper and i'm like okay well at least there's no zika and then covid hits and i'm like are you kidding me (laughs) trust me don't worry everyone i'm never getting pregnant again so we're safe (laughs) but um Yeah, that was really, you know, obviously you're worried about your unborn child, but then you start thinking about the process of giving birth. And when um, you have to go weekly to the doctor to get checked to make sure everything's okay with the baby, and they even limited to where your husband could, you couldn't have anyone come with you to the doctor's appointment. So it was only uh, expecting mothers who were allowed to come. So that you know, is different. So he wasn't able to like see the ultrasounds and hear the heartbeat and all of those things that you look forward to. And I had to do IVF for um, Jack and Cooper. Oh, it's going to make me cry. Um, he is my la- was my last embryo. So we had tried, you know, five times in between Jack and Cooper and none of those ended up working for uh-huh. one reason or another. So Cooper was my very la- last 
a chance to have a baby. Um, and so I was so concerned because, you know, you're thrilled that it finally worked and you've spent so much time and emotions and, you know, effort into trying to get pregnant. Like Corona comes up and you're just like, oh my gosh. Like, so there was that huge fear that something could still happen to this baby that you had worked so hard for. And then they start limiting um, the amount of people who can come into the hospital. So at first, I think they just said two people could come and then it was one person, but they could switch out with someone. So like Justin could be with me, but then he could leave and my mom could come. But then they stopped that completely. And like the week before they were questioning whether or not you would even be able to have an emotional support person with you in the room. But thankfully, um, they did let Justin come in the room with me, but we had to wear masks the entire time. So I'm like pushing, giving birth, wearing a mask. (laughs) Everybody was. And the most eerie thing about it was there was no one in the hospital with Jack. The waiting room was full. There were balloons. There were cookies being delivered. You know, it was just like this excitement that you could feel when you walked into the hospital. And when I went in with Cooper, we saw one person, the receptionist. And then we saw one person when we got to our room and it was our, um, the nurse who helped deliver Cooper. And then my OB came in and that was it. So, I mean, it was just such a different experience from, you know, being pregnant and then also giving birth. Um, it's been interesting to say the least. Yeah. And you know, the fact that you said you delivered Cooper with a mask on. Yeah. I've, (laughs) I've just, I, with with what's going on in the country right now, it is kind of comical to kind of see videos out on the internet of people that uh, refuse to wear a mask to go to the grocery store or run, <laughs> right. or run an errand. Just know how ridiculous you look and sound putting up a fight because you don't want to put your mask on in a grocery store where women are giving birth with a freaking mask on. Like, right. Not I pushed ma- a human yeah. out of my body wearing a mask, so hopefully you can wear one to go to Target. <laughs> exactly. It's just, it's so ridiculous. And look, I, trust me, I know the political stance behind why some people don't want to wear it. It's, I don't understand it. I understand. I, I know what they're arguing. I don't, I don't particularly agree with that. Um, but, you know, not only pre- pregnant women, but, you know, a doctor and a nurse have to wear a mask for an eight to 10 hour shift for a numerous amount of hours and you know, you can't wear one to go get some milk at the store. Like, come on. It's right. Great. It's kind of ridiculous when you break it down that way. But um, yep. anyway, that is, that is a hell of a story. I, I did not know that. I, you know, I'm, I did not know that Cooper was your last chance. Uh, I congratulations on that. Um, you know, the fact that you got through it, the fact that you delivered through COVID. I mean, that is, that is awesome. And for as much you. for as much crap as you've had to deal with in your life with with Harvey and everything and Alex Michelle dumping you on television 18 <laughs> years ago um, <laughs> uh you know i mean you deserve some happiness so uh Shannon, <laughs> thank you thank you so much for coming on and and sharing your story this is a lot of fun i know um you know I, there's probably a lot of bachelor fans probably most bachelor fans who were introduced to you a couple weeks ago now and now they get a deeper look into your story. And I, I think they're really going to like it. And I appreciate you so much sharing this uh, w- with us. Uh, and uh, thanks so much for coming on. 
Well, thank you for having me. It was great to catch up with you again, too. I can't re- You're right, though. We did. We met at a random bachelor blood drive. Yeah. <laughs> and now and here we are. <laughs> I, gave, I gave my blood. I, I remember I gave blood at that event. It was at a double tree off the 75. And I, I remember hanging out with some people afterwards. I'm trying to remember who, but I can't right now. I remember I met you there. We became Facebook friends after that, and I've just kind of followed your stories on Facebook, uh, you know, through your life, and that's how I knew about Harvey and um, and what it had done to your house, and that's where it kind of, you know, the Berkey thing came up because I was like, "Gosh, you look familiar," and uh, <laughs> yeah, there you were. So again, thank you so much, Shannon, for coming on. I I really appreciate it, and uh, good luck with everything. Thanks, Steve. Same to you. Okay, bye. Bye. Thank you so much to Shannon for that. Uh, Let me tell you something. You may not know or care about women from season one of The Bachelor, but that interview and just talking to her, honestly, I think is the reason why I do this podcast. Because how would anybody else know about her past, what her family had to deal with in Harvey three years ago? finding out that her last son, I mean, you can hear the emotion in her voice that her son Cooper was her last chance at having a child. And I didn't know that. I did know about Harvey and her house because I followed her on Facebook. But I just, as I've always said with my podcast, everybody's got a story. And I, that's really what I want to tell when I interview people. I just want them to tell their story. Are some more interesting than others? Absolutely. And I can't know that going in because that's why I'm telling them uh, to tell their story and tell us anything they can about themselves. And we do, you know, go over their seasons. And her stuff about Alex's season was was fascinating because of the story we know The Bachelor as now is just not what it was back when Shannon was on the show. That was honestly that was one of my favorite podcasts. She was great, and I hope you all enjoyed that. I'm going to just hype the shit out of this one to get people to listen because I really think people that watch the show now probably didn't watch in season one. Hell I didn't watch in season one. I only had seen clips of Alex's season. Those are the only two seasons I've never watched of this show, Alex, Michelle and Aaron Berge. The next season that they showed in the bachelor franchise was Trista's season of the bachelorette and starting at Trista's season of the bachelorette. I've written an episode recap for essentially every single episode that's ever appeared in this Bachelor franchise, including three Bachelor pads and six Bachelor in Paradises. But Alex and Aaron's, I didn't. I hadn't watched it yet. So, amazing. Uh, That I loved that interview. Uh, I hope you did too, because that was a lot of fun. And she was so generous in um, the way she spoke and about her family, what she went through, the GOAT episode that they did show. We did see Justin and her two kids show up on that. Um, but yeah, I'm guessing a lot of you don't know who Shannon is and I hope you take the time to listen today. Cause that was great. Thank you all for uh, listening. Those who did, uh, please rate, subscribe and review in Apple podcasts. Very much appreciated. And, um, that'll do it, uh, for this podcast. Great having Shannon on again. Can't thank her enough. And I'll be following along on Facebook on the rest of her, uh, her life and and what goes on in in her family life and whatnot and uh hopefully maybe when she's up in dallas i think she has family up here maybe not um you know i would uh run into her but basically when i moved here is when it looks like she moved down to houston so 
Anyway, thanks again to Shannon. Thank you all for listening. I really appreciate it. And we will be back uh, next week with another episode of the Reality Steve Podcast. So, until then, talk to you next week. <laughs>